and um, the lane next to me was open, and uh, but we had a red light, and, and I guess the, it just turned red. I was slowing down, and I guess somebody wasn't paying attention. The car from the oncoming turned left, and they just T-boned them, just right in front of us, just totally flipped the car up. Uh, miraculously, everybody was okay. But, you know, when that happens, everybody gets out of their car. Uh, everybody's calling 911, waiting on the police uh, to tell them what's happening, make sure the witnesses are okay. Uh, because, obviously, if you witness a wreck, you need to tell the authorities what you saw, right? Because they're, they're trying to figure out what happened, who was at fault, and things like that. And, and it's very important that you and I stay when that happens because your story. They want to hear your story. What did you see? Uh, what were the things, and then they can piece that together. So it's really important that you have witnesses. When an accident happens, or a crime is committed, or there's something really big in life, and, and you're trying to get to the bottom of it, it's really important that you have witnesses. And the more witnesses you have, the more confidence you have in whatever the verdict is. So if you have several different witnesses, you see it from different angles. Now, not every witness sees everything that the other witness sees, okay? That's the thing with the Gospels. The Gospels are oftentimes recording the same event, but one will say two people were there and one will say one person was there. They're not contradicting. They're just seeing it from different perspectives there. And they're not saying only two people was there and only one person was there. But you have different witnesses. But again, that's one of the validities of the Scripture. The more witnesses you have, the better. Paul said Jesus was seen not only by the disciples, but also by 500 others. In addition to that, even his own brothers, James and Jude, saw him, and they became believers. So again, the more witnesses you have, the more confidence you have that something really, really happened. Uh, Because it's important that you have those witnesses. Not only do you want to have external witnesses, people that saw something, but when you're trying to figure out something, you also look at internal witnesses. So you look at the timeline. Or, you know, in that case where that car was T-boned, they might have gone back and looked at the traffic uh, stop things and when did the signal turn and how long was that. You look at the paper trail. Um, Somebody commits a crime. You're also going to look at the behaviors of that person prior to the crime. You're going to look at whether that person had alibis as to where they're going. So there's all sorts of things that you put together when you're trying to figure out a case and you say, okay, if this witness said this and this witness says this and this corroborates, the timeline corroborates, the alibi corroborates, and all those things, you begin to look and say, okay, we can reach a verdict there. Now, last week we talked about uh, how do you know you're going to heaven? And we said last week that John said, first of all, you've got to know Christ as your Savior. I mean, it's just the bottom line. The only way a person gets to heaven is by putting their complete faith and trust in Jesus as their Savior. That definitely is true. But the reality is, and John says this in his letter, you can say anything. I mean, a lot of people today say, I'm a Christian. Anybody can say that. But what is the evidence that you're truly a Christian? And if you remember last week, John said, look, if you're truly a Christian, it's not only that you say that Christ is your Lord and Savior, but your faith is then proven by your actions. And we looked at that, and John says, look, you can say you're a believer, but your faith is really, it's, the proof of that is whether you truly love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which means you're going to obey His commandments. And, and so if you truly love God, you're going to walk in the light. You're going to walk with Him. John says that if you're truly going to obey God's commandments, another of God's commandments is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? I mean, really, if you break down the Ten Commandments, they're basically boiling down to that, loving God and loving your neighbor. And so, so John says, if you truly love God, you're going to love your neighbor, and obviously you're going to love people within the church. So you can say you're a believer, but it's going to be proven by your actions. 
And so we've looked at that. How do you know you're going to heaven? And, and I don't know about you, but the thought of going into eternity, going to heaven is exciting, but it can be scary too at the same time, right? This world's all we've known. Have you ever thought about death? It, it's kind of, wow, like my body's going to be in the ground and I'm not breathing. And, you know, wow, this is all I've ever known. And can I really be sure? I mean, is there, why, well, you know, is this all true? And in fact, books on life after death are always huge sellers. In 2004, there was a book called 90 Minutes in Heaven. When that book came out, it spent five years on the New York Times bestseller list. Five years on the bestseller list and sold over six million copies. Because people want to know. People want to know, what's it like? What's it going to be like? Another book came out called Heaven is for Real. It sold over 10 million copies, was made into a movie, and made over $101 million at the box office. Because people want to know. And there was another book more recent in 2010 called The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. And it eventually sold over a million copies as well in 2013. And so people, we gobble up these things, or a lot of people do, because, wow, this whole thought of dying. and Is it really there? Is it, is it really true? I mean, is this, is this belief that Jesus is the way? I mean, how do we really know it's true? I mean, what if all the other religions got it right? What if... What if Christianity's wrong? What, what, if, what if maybe Islam's got it figured out? Or, or what, what if, if the Buddhists really, if they're really right? How do we really, really know? Because, you know, let's say, um, let's just say for sake of argument, everybody in this room, maybe you're watching by Facebook, you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and you know He's your Lord and Savior. And, and, and maybe you've, you've been proving that, that you really are what you say because you truly, people can see in your life, you love God with all heart, soul, mind, strength. You love your neighbors yourself. You love other believers. But is there anything else that can really be a witness that this is really true? I mean, how do we know? Because he, here's the deal. We're talking eternity. We're talking eternity. I mean, say you live 95 or 100 years old. That's nothing compared to eternity. You know, like the old song says, when we've been there 10,000 years, we've only what? Just begun. You know, we've just begun it. We were talking this morning in Sunday school. You know, Peter says to God, a thousand years is like a day. So, I mean, time it really doesn't exist in heaven, but for eternity is forever. I mean, we're talking forever. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure I'm in heaven forever. So how do we really really know. Now, let me say something very carefully and listen very carefully before you walk out of here and say, Jim's got off the deep end and he's a heretic. Everybody listening? Our faith is not built on the Bible. It's built on a person who is revealed in the Bible. Did y'all hear that? Our faith's not built on a book. It's built on a person, Jesus Christ. Okay? And again, I, 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 my faith is not because the Bible tells me so. My faith is built on an event called the resurrection. A person named Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And again, when I look at all other religions, there's no other religious leader that rose from the dead. That told how he was going to die, that he was going to die, went specifically to die on a cross and came back. No other faith. They're all, all of them are dead. And, and all other faiths are built on some sort of a system 
or a system of good works. I mean, in Islam, you hope your good outweighs your bad. How do you know when it does? You don't know. So you hope you get there. You hope you don't. The best thing to know that you're definitely going there is to commit jihad, die in holy war. So there you know. So if you blow up a building and kill a bunch of infidels, then you get a go, right? But again, in Islam, you just really, really don't know if you're going to get there. All other religions are based on that. Hopefully you have good karma. Hopefully you don't come back as an ant. You come back as a cow. The next time you come back as a dog. If you eventually get up there as a human, you know, that sounds exciting. You know, so all religions are built on some sort of a works thing, except Christianity. It's built on a person, and it's built on faith in Christ alone. It stands totally different from other religions. But how do we know? What are some witnesses of this? So turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. And John's just, again, he's been talking about our salvation. He says, look, it begins with putting your faith and trust in Christ alone. And if you're truly a believer, it's going to be proven by your actions. You're going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're going to definitely want to walk in the light. And if you do sin, you confess your sins, you repent, you want to walk in the light. As a believer, you don't want to walk in darkness. You definitely want to love your neighbor. You're willing to self-sacrifice. That's what that word means. And as John continues to talk about salvation, he says, let me give you some witnesses. Let me just point to a few things about this person Jesus Christ. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, he starts right out with the words, Jesus Christ. He just, that's where the verse starts in our Bibles. Jesus Christ. And then he defines him. He is the one who came by water and blood, not by water only, but by water and by blood. Now you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what in the world are we talking about? Well, in John's day, just like today, there are and were dissenting views about who Jesus really is. Again, this makes sense. If our faith is built on a person, Jesus Christ, and if there is a spiritual war going on, guess who Satan wants to undermine? Jesus Christ. He wants to discredit Christ. And just like then, just like today, we see all sorts of things. Well, did Jesus really exist? You know, did he really walk on this earth? Is he, was he really God in the flesh? Was he really also fully man as well? I mean, did Jesus really say, I mean, several years ago, there was a bunch of academic theologians that got together to decide what Jesus really said. You know how they decided? They drew straws. And they said, Jesus only said two words, our father. Other than that, we don't know that he said anything else in the Bible. That was just kind of a straw vote they took, okay, amongst all these PhDs. So again, there's always this called the Jesus Seminar. So the, this, this whole, there's this whole attempt by Satan to do everything he can undermine Jesus. And so in John's day, just like today, there was that going on. Some people were saying, hey, he wasn't really a man, but he just appeared to be a man. And John disputes that in chapter 1 and chapter uh, 4. You can look at that. Some say that Jesus couldn't be really God because how can, you put, how can God die on a cross? And that's what Islam says, by the way. How could he truly be God because you can't kill God? And so there were those people who were saying, that and again john deals with that in chapter two and, and and then there was this kind of a cross between there was this guy back in john's day that john was vehemently opposed to named corinthius and corinthius said this jesus was a man hence jesus and at his baptism when the holy spirit came he became the christ at that point he became god in the flesh and he was god into the flesh up to the time on the cross and then the Christ spirit left him, and he was just a man again, and then crucified. And that was a teaching 
that was going around in the church like that. And so I think that's what John has in mind here. He's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Now, I, you know, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Because he is the foundation of our faith. If we're going to be assured of heaven, we, and if our faith's built on a person, Jesus, then let's, let's see who he is. So John said, he is the one, and here's why I said, he is the one who came by water. You'll notice there's three things here. When, let's look at first two, water and by blood. Let me give you three witnesses. Witness number one, Jesus' baptism. When he says Jesus came by water, I believe John's talking about Jesus' baptism. Okay, because here's the deal. Jesus began his ministry at his baptism. That was the beginning point. That was his beginning of his public ministry. Now, John wrote this letter. But John, before he was a disciple of Jesus, was a disciple of another guy. You know who? John the Baptist. Right. Now, he was not John the first Baptist. It was just John the Baptist, okay? Just in case y'all wonder, we didn't start with John the Baptist. Okay, just see if y'all are awake. Everybody awake? Okay. So anyways, John was a disciple originally of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus. And John the Baptist told John about that baptism. Now, it may have been that John was actually there. We don't know. But we know that definitely John the Baptist told John what happened. John was one of John the Baptist's disciples. In fact, here's what John the Baptist said. John chapter 132. He said, and John, that's John the Baptist, testified, I watched the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. And so, John is writing this saying, Jesus came by water. That was the beginning of his ministry. Now, Corinthians would have said that true, too. Yeah, that's when he became the Christ. But we know that that's not when he became the Christ. Because guess what holiday is coming up that we celebrate? Christmas. I don't know. When you guys were born, did you have angels appear in the sky? Anybody have that happen? I didn't have that happen. Anybody have wise people come by to bring gifts to your family? Okay, I didn't have that happen either. Uh, you know, so that's clearly something unique. All right, anybody virgin born? All right, that's clearly something unique. Uh, you know, at age 12, this is, I'm in my father's house. Don't you know I need to be about my father's business? Jesus didn't become the Christ at his baptism, but it was certainly a signal to the world that something had happened here. And John the Baptist said, I saw it. I saw the Holy Spirit come down like a dove and resting on him. Something this, this is he. This is the one that has been prophesied. Now, now Corinthians said that Jesus became the Christ at his baptism. And no, that's not true. But he said that's when he became the Christ. But he left him at his crucifixion. And John's saying, no, 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 no. That's not here. Go back to verse 6. He said, this is the one who came by water, if you look in your text here, and blood. Well, what's he talking about there? Well, the second witness is Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. The second thing that pointed to the fact that he is the Christ, not only at his baptism, that's when the Holy Spirit, but at his crucifixion. In fact, Matthew talks about it. Here, here, let me just take you back to the crucifixion. Here's what Matthew wrote. Jesus shouted again, this is Jesus on the cross, 
and with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Jesus was in full control. He was in full control. Gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two. And this was not a thin curtain. This was not something that could be ripped in two by two people. Suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had gone to their rest were raised. That's an incredible testimony. An incredible testimony. It says this, And when the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, This man was truly God's son. So John says, look, Jesus came by water, first witness, his baptism, his crucifixion. I mean, that was a, an event in itself. The skies darkened, the thunder, the, the earthquake, all those things. He didn't stop becoming the Christ then. He was the Christ even on the cross. Now, the baptism was the beginning of his local public ministry, in a sense, the crucifixion was the end of his local public ministry, but the beginning of his universal ministry of redemption, because he would raise again the third day. So go back here. So John says, witness number one, his baptism, witness number two, the blood, his crucifixion, and look at the last part of verse six. He also says there's a third witness, and that is this, the Spirit capital S, so we're talking about God, the Spirit, is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And then he says, for there are three that testify, verse 8, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three are in agreement. So here's the third witness, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit witnesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now here's the thing. When John wrote this letter, there were probably a lot of people who were hearing this letter who weren't alive, actually, when Jesus was on the earth, because this is about 30, 40 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, and we're in that same boat, right? None of us have seen the crucifixion. None of us were there when Jesus walked on the earth. There were a lot of people there that may have been alive in Jesus' day, but necessarily not in the area when all this happened. And we're, again, we're in that same boat. We haven't seen the crucifixion. We haven't seen the resurrection. We haven't physically seen Jesus, and that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirits that we are children of God. Let, let me ask you something. Have you ever met a person and you just know that they're a follower of Christ? Have you ever had that happen? You meet somebody and you can just sense immediately that they're a follower of Jesus. That's our spirit testifying with their spirit that we're children of God. Again, if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and he testifies. And here's what John said in John 15, 26. When Jesus said, when this counselor, that's another word for Holy Spirit, when he comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, the Spirit of truth, which is the exact same thing that John calls him here, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Let me say something real quick about the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get into a big sermon on the Holy Spirit. But there's a big concern that I have about the Holy Spirit in today's church. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to testify of Jesus. Unfortunately, in a lot of our churches, the Holy Spirit is becoming the star of the show. And that's not the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not making people barking like dogs and walk around and get slain in the ground. I've seen that. Maybe you've seen it. People blow on it and all these people fall down. That's nowhere in Scripture. 
Nowhere in the scriptures will you read of Peter saying, receive the Holy Spirit and blowing and people falling down. Nowhere in scripture. Nowhere in scripture do I have people barking like dogs and running around and doing some crazy things like that or getting stuck on the floor in Holy Spirit glue. That's not the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you all. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to testify of Christ. The Holy Spirit is not the star. Jesus is the star. The Holy Spirit testifies that Jesus is the one. And so even though we physically have not been there at the crucifixion and the resurrection, and just like a lot of John's readers who hadn't been there, we read about the witness of the water, the baptism, we read about the witness of the crucifixion, but we all have the witness of the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know in your heart. Here, again, here's what Paul said. The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit himself, testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. If you're a follower of Christ, you know you're a follower of Christ because God's Spirit testifies to that in your heart. Again, John said this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, The one who believes in the name in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. We have that internal testimony of the Holy Spirit. When you read God's Word, if you're a follower of Christ, He speaks to you through His Word. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you feel at home with other believers. You just have that sense of being at home. Even if you visit a church you've never been to, there's just that sense that I'm at home with other believers and with Jesus Christ. Now, so John says there's three witnesses, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Why does he say three? Well, the Old Testament law, which a lot of these people would come out of, the Old Testament, said that for something to be valid, you had to have three witnesses. And John says, all right, let me give them to you. There's baptism, the crucifixion, and the Holy Spirit you have three witnesses. And John concludes this section by saying this. Look at verse 9. If we accept the testimony of men, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that He has given us about His Son. Now, what is that testimony? What is the testimony? When you look at Scripture, you will see God the Father, His voice. You will hear His voice at, at, at moments, like at His baptism. There was a voice from heaven. John the Baptist said, This is my Son, and I take delight in Him. When Jesus was transfigured, there's that time He went up on the mount and He was transfigured, Moses and Elijah. And again, they heard the voice of God saying, This is my Son, the Chosen One. Listen to Him. Just a couple days before His crucifixion in the temple, there was the voice of God, and God said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And so there were these points, these key points, where God the Father actually spoke from heaven and said, this is my son. Listen to him. He is the chosen one. And John goes on, he says this, the one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within him. If you truly believe that he is the Son of God, you know that. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. If you don't believe God, you're saying God's a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given him about his son. John says, look, if you refuse to believe that Jesus is the only way, if you refuse to believe he's the son of God, you're calling God a liar. Boy, I don't want to be calling God a liar. Because if God were a liar, guess what? He's not God. God's not a man that he sins. God is not a liar. And this is what John says. And this is the testimony. Let's keep going. God has given us eternal life. He's talking to people who say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. God has given us eternal life. 
And this life is in His Son. There's only one way. Christ. The one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. You know, we all talk about we're going to die. We know that physically. But guess what? In reality, you'll never die. You'll always be in that communion with God. Right now, we're in communion with God on this earth in these bodies. One day, we'll be freed from these bodies in communion with God in glory. A believer technically never dies. Physical body may, but we will continue to live. And if you've struggled with your salvation, I want to challenge you to memorize the verses coming up. He says this, verse 13. I want you to memorize this if you've struggled with your salvation. I have written these things to you, talking to believers, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. All right, John says, I've written these so that you can know this for sure. And John likes that word know. K-N-O-W. John likes that word. For example, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, he says, This is how we are sure that we have come to know him by keeping his commandments. Faith in action. That's how you know that you know him. In verse chapter 5, he said this, This is how we know we love God's children when we love God. How do I know I really love God's children? When I love God and I obey his commandments. That's how I know. Faith is proven by action. Chapter 4, verse 2, he said, This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's how you know if what a person is saying is of God. And in verse 13, he said, These things I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't need to be walking around saying, I just don't know. Is this right? Look, you know. There is the witness of the baptism, the dove coming down, the voice from heaven, the eyewitness of John the Baptist. There you know. Then there's the witness of the crucifixion, the eyewitnesses who were there at the crucifixion said, surely this must be the Son of God, the earthquake, the veil in the temple, the reaction of the Roman guards, the, the elements of the sky, the, 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 the sky being darkened, the resurrection of some of the saints. And again, the control of Jesus over his own death, the fact that his crucifixion fulfilled prophecy, how he would be crucified was prophesied, and, and, and that no bones of his body would be crucified, they'd be broken, and, and it was also predicted that people would mock him and what they would do with his clothing, and all those things Jesus fulfilled on the cross, that's a huge witness, and you have the witness of the Holy Spirit inside of you that says, yes, you are one of my children. So if you've wrestled with your salvation, get it settled. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are His. And let me just say this. One of the things, we're not the only ones that believe this, but Baptists are known for this. If you are truly saved, and I always preface it with if, you are always saved. Because Jesus said, I have you in my hand, and no one can snatch you out of my hand. So salvation is not something you did. It's something He did. It's not something you earned. You just said, I need a Savior. Save me. But He does all the work. He's the one that calls. He's the one that saves. And He's the one that keeps. So you don't need to be worried. If you know that you've placed your faith and trust in Him, you are His. You can hold on to that. You know, a man years ago was struggling with his salvation. And he went up to the great evangelist, Dwight L. Moody. 
and he was struggling with it, and he said, I just don't feel like I'm saved. And you know what? Maybe you've done that. I've, I've had those moments. Feelings, you know, they, they come and go. You have feelings. And this man said, I just don't feel like I'm saved. And Dwight Moody said, let me ask you a question. Was Noah in the ark? Was Noah safe in the ark? And the man said, well, yeah. And Moody said, well, what made him safe in the ark? Was it his feeling or the fact that he was in the ark? The fact that he was in the ark. See, it's not about you feel. Have you responded to Christ? And if you have, you can know you have eternal life. So you don't need to be wringing your hands and saying, I don't know. I just don't know. John says, look, I got three witnesses here. The baptism, the crucifixion, the Holy Spirit. I am telling you these things so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you'll place your faith and trust in Him, you have eternity with Him. So that you may know that you have eternal life. And that's been a big theme of this whole book. A true believer is a person who's placed their faith in Christ, keeps God, God's commandments. In other words, they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They walk like Christ. They don't love the world. They're not in love with the world. They seek to live in purity. They love other brothers and sisters in Christ. They have true love. They, they have that self-sacrificial love, and they overcome the world. Those are believe, marks of a true believer. They're not perfect. Sometimes we sin, but when we do, we confess and repent and get back up. That's the mark of a true believer. Let me ask you a question. Do you have confidence in your salvation? If you're saying, I just don't know, Jim, well, you need to settle it right now. It's not based on how you feel. It's based on the facts. If you placed your faith and trust in Christ alone, you are His. And you will always be his. Our faith is not built on a system, not a system of good works. It's built on a person. Our faith is not built on works. It's by faith in Christ alone. He does it all. All you have to do is take it. All you have to do. Let's pray. Father, I pray if there's somebody here, maybe watching via Facebook or here in the room, who's been struggling, do I know Christ? Am I going to heaven when I die? I pray right now they'll just settle it. If there's somebody who's watching this or here in this room who has never bowed their knee to Christ and said, yes, I believe, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ alone. I, I'm holding on to you, Christ. There's none other. There's nothing good in me. I can't do anything. I'm just trusting what you did on my behalf. I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here that hasn't done that, that they'll do it right now. That they'll turn from their sin and say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you completely. Save me. Save me. If there's somebody here that's been struggling, am I truly saved? I pray, Lord, this morning they'll just settle it. Either definitely respond in repentance if they haven't done that or if they have to definitely just say i know whom i believed and i believe that he is able to keep me into that day lord i pray that we won't walk around in fear but in confidence that we'll walk around in humility thankful for what you've done for us 
And Father, that we'll be the kind of people that you've called us to be. So Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah. We thank you for what he did. And Father, this morning, I pray again that if there's somebody struggling with their salvation, that A, they'll get it nailed down today. And we pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So if you've been struggling with your salvation after the service, let's talk. Let's get it nailed down. Let's make sure you know that you know that you know. All right. No need of walking around and I hope so. No, that's not confidence. I know so.